Lighthouse Live is pre-recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, and a special welcome to all of you uh, joining us around the world on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. So good to have you with us tonight. Also with us, of course, our producer and our co-host, Elaine Harlan, and our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, with us as well. Elaine, welcome back from vacation. It's great to be yeah, back, Pastor Do you know, folks, we actually allow people to take vacations here. At, <laughs> every at, once uh, in a while. Yeah, every once in a while. Anyway, we're, we're thrilled to you decided to came, come back. Uh, those of you not in the California area, uh, Elaine actually was on the Monterey Coast. Mm. You know, now when I go to the Monterey Coast, I spend my time uh, kind of checking out uh, the different kinds of uh, seafood and especially the clam chowder. Right. Different kinds of clam chowder there on the Monterey Coast. Absolutely That's a terrific. wonderful experience, isn't it? Anyway, we're uh, so glad that, uh, that you returned. Just remember, uh, friends, uh, you can find out new opportunities to serve by simply logging on to our website. It's www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's www.vibrantcommunities.org. In fact, Elaine updates that three or four times a day. So if you're looking for an opportunity to serve or you'd like to find out how you can serve better in your area, why please visit our website. We'd uh, love for you to take a look at that right now. As uh, we go on in the program, it's going to be kind of old home night. Yes. Uh, Elaine, so some excited. guys that I worked with yes. uh, many, many moons ago are with us and uh, some new friends as well. And a great opportunity to talk about how the Christian community, the faith-based community, can step out of the four walls of their homes and churches and personally serve the needs of others in times of disasters. Before we do that, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life American Jesus freak. Daniel Webster is best known as a gifted speaker and defender of national unity. In an 1830 Senate debate, he spoke the famous words, Liberty and Union, now and forever, one and inseparable. But Webster was even more passionate about our nation's absolute dependence on God's provision. He once said, our ancestors established their system of government on morality and religious sentiment. Whatever makes a man a good Christian also makes a good citizen. That's more proof that our past history and future hope is as one nation under God. To learn more, 
Log on to www.persecution.com. And we remind you, friends, to keep in prayer those who are being persecuted around the world. You know, we get a little lackadaisical here. And uh, you have to realize that uh, in other, other parts of the world, for us to gather as we are right here in the front room of Advancing Vibrant Communities to do this program in other uh, places around the world, we could be arrested uh, or worse. And so uh, we need to be grateful and remember to continually thank the Lord for the freedoms that we have. And also, uh, I would encourage you as uh, votes come up in the next couple of months, uh, you know, this is one of those things, Elaine, that really gets me Torqued Torque, off, yes. you know. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm a right. patient guy, right, Russ? Russ, <laughs> yeah. A guest here later, Russ will attest I'm a very patient man. But you know, when 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 we enjoy all these freedoms and we don't take advantage of them to go to the ballot box, you know, that's just uh, I think it's kind of thumbing our nose at mm-hmm. God who uh, has has helped us have these freedoms. Anyway, speaking of freedoms, yes. let's check in. This is a very interesting case. This is that uh, case down in Soledad. Um, uh, the uh, the issue of the cross that was on the hill and uh, Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute has an update for us on that. It's time for the Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. The battle over the Mount Soledad cross is still continuing. After President Bush signed a law making the cross protected by the federal government, The cross objectors are continuing their fight in federal court. While our affiliate attorneys are not taking this threat lightly and have filed a request to directly enter into court to defend the cross. After all, war memorials are not only to remember those who have died defending our liberties, but also for a reminder of hope for the many loved ones still left behind. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. Just a reminder, friends, the Pacific Justice Institute provides a lot of their services for free, and it's uh, through your contributions that they are able to uh, continue operations with uh, pro bono attorneys up and down the state. Of course, it does uh, cost some money to file these cases, so we encourage you to support Brad Dacus and the Pacific Justice Institute. Again, their website, great website, a lot of good resources there, by the way, www.pacificjustice.org. And we have some volunteer uh, opportunities to pass along to you from the United Way Center's Linda Hand list. First of all, the Modesto Blind Bowlers League is getting ready for another season, and you could be a pin spotter at the Modesto Blind Bowlers. This is a league of vision-impaired bowlers, and this is a wonderful way to connect with others and, and not be a pin, as some might Well, you know, <laughs> now that, here's my problem think, with but that. But to be a pin spotter. Our, our good friend Marty Lancer. <laughs> we love You know, Marty. we love Marty. But I, I said, you know, Marty, I'd be willing to volunteer to do that. <laughs> and, you know, Marty put me down there with the pins and uh, had people throw balls uh, at me. I don't think that was the Marty deal, Marty knows was you it? very well, doesn't he? I, I don't know. <laughs> Something was wrong with that. But I'm sure they won't treat you that way. Let's uh, hope not, Volunteers uh, kind of tell the bowlers of the number and the order of the pins left standing and kind of keep track of the game and the score and all of that. The league meets Saturdays uh, beginning September 9th through the end of April. It's a long uh, long season there. From 12 to 1.30 at the McHenry Bowl in Modesto. Training is provided. That's a good thing. And what they do at the Modesto Blind Bowlers League is to promote the sport of blind bowling and partnership opportunities for both vision impaired and sighted individuals. The Society for the Hand 
handicapped children and adults ask that you um, assist with frail seniors or homebound disabled individuals with routine tasks such as grocery shopping, uh, driving to doctor's appointments. Mm. This is a huge need in our area, probably most areas listening in, uh, running errands and making bill payments, all of those uh, sorts of things. All volunteers must be 18 years of age or older, have a car and a current uh, driver's license, California, uh, auto insurance, and, and be able to pass a fingerprint screening check as well. Uh, the society provides a, a variety of services and programs designed to enhance the quality of life for persons of all ages and disabilities that reside within Stanislaw County. And finally, the Stanislaw County Police Activities League, or PAL, where kids need you to coach. Uh, it's a non-competitive Salida Soccer League. Is that possible to be non-competitive when you're playing soccer? I don't, I, I don't, try I don't know. Anyway, volunteers share... Must be no pastors share, on it. But <laughs> anyhow, share their basic knowledge, we won't go there, of the game with youth uh, ages 6 to 13. The teams practice two to three times a week and participate in games from 9 to 1 on Saturdays at the Salida Elementary School uh, for the next eight weeks. And practices are scheduled at the coach's convenience. So if you're at least 17 years of age and enjoy sports and kids, this might be something that you would like to reach out and uh, and use your, your God-given ministry. And the uh, this league provides kids with alternatives to drugs, gangs, and other criminal activity mm. uh, through uh, exciting sports and leisure activities as well as educational programs. And, friends, if you have any questions on any of these items, Barbara Borba would be the person to call. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, and that will put you through to her. You know, as we were saying, Mike, we are so excited about our guest tonight. We have a room full of wonderful friends and guests. But before we get to them, it also has kind of a nostalgic flavor for you tonight in that you kind of come from an emergency sort of background. Well, maybe your life is emergency. I think I, 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 think I created the emergencies is the <laughs> but, problem. But anyway. That's you, why I'm in ministry you've had, now. You've had I some got fun kicked with out us. of that we, one. <laughs> we've certainly looked forward to this evening, haven't we? All right, who who's who started it? <laughs> You didn't know this was going to be a, a pop quiz, did you? <laughs> all right, come we, on, we, who's starting? No, nah, look, come on, guys. we're all over, well, we're, oh, we're, we're in trouble seasoned. before we started. We're That's what we mature are. people in here, right? Kevin, Kevin, Teague, right? And Randolph, Mantooth. There we go. Well, now they can be on the show because they, <laughs> they got qualify. The, yeah, next week it's Adam Twelve, guys. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! We are thrilled to have with us some committed men in this community that have come together, that work together, that network together in the Office of Emergency Services, and just um, want to welcome to this show. We're good. we have six special guests: Gary Henshaw, who uh, is the Stanislaw County Fire Warden. 
uh, among, but wait, there's more, isn't there, Gary? The Assistant Director of Emergency Services for Stanislaw County. We just want to welcome you and thank you uh, for taking time out of your busy day for being with us. Russ Richards, who uh, was formerly all of those, <laughs> all of the above, and now retired. We want to welcome you as well. But working well. as hard, right, working Russ? Working as hard. <laughs> we understand on, on good authority that you are the resident historian, and we'll let you explain all about that as well. Jim Money, the Emergency Services Director and great friend with the American Red Cross, the Stanislaw Chapter, uh, here is with us as well. Pastor Buddy Gray, Davis Park Church of Christ, and also with the police uh, chaplaincy. We want to welcome you, uh, Mr. Dale Butler, President of the Hispanic Leadership Council. Thank you for taking time to be with us. And Mr. David Jones, Director of Communications and Legislative Affairs with Stanislaw County. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. So the radio studio is safe. The rest of the community is falling yeah, apart. That's it, that's it. Well, we're There's safe here no now. No right? emergencies <laughs> here tonight. But you know, it just makes me kind of wonder how many of us uh, give much thought, not to mention uh, prayers for the men and women in our community who respond to disaster type situations. And, and Gary, we'd just ask you to, to maybe pull up a little closer to your microphone there. We're going to play musical mics tonight and, and maybe kind of, kind of share, but we are, we are privileged for you to be here tonight. And, and I just wonder with the, the, the commitment that you have, all of you, and the long hours, the lack of sleep, I know Jim Money can relate to that. What drives you? And Gary, why don't you just get it started for us? Well, thank you first for letting us be here. And Elaine, it, it probably needs to be said that that um, in, in another life, you and I get to share some time on Sundays together. Elaine and I get to usher together, so we have a special relationship that we enjoy very much. So I get a hug and a big smile every <laughs> Sunday morning that I look forward to very much. And she's been on vacation the last two weeks, so it's just not been the same. Oh, bless so, you. Uh, welcome you. back. Thank you. What drives us? Um, I think most of us, if you find us in the emergency services, we have to have a servant's heart, mm-hmm. and, and it starts mm-hmm. there. And, and if you can't, uh, if you can't have a passion for what you do, uh, and, and and the reward has to be that you serve your community, serve others that you work with, um, then then probably this is not not the lifestyle for you. But uh, that that's where I think it really begins for most all of us. You know, it's incredible to to not only have a man of your caliber in the position that you are, Gary, but to have a believer. Someone who, who has a prayer life and, and who has an eternity, you know, uh, it's just, uh, it, we are so blessed. You know, sometimes it's kind of funny because people ask you, with what you know, do you sleep well at night? And I think, you bet I do. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that right. Jim Money with the American Red Cross. Uh, you know, I, we have seen you through so many things. I, I think of Katrina, and now you're looking at Ernesto, you know, uh, on the radar screen. And, and you walk around, and, and you have many sleepless nights and yet you still function you still uh, wake up you you suit up and and you show up for work what's up with that (laughs) (laughs) actually it's very easy the lord is leading me that way so Mm. just you know he's he's he put me here in this position where i'm at so now now you're one jim that really doesn't get sleep i mean during (laughs) seriously i mean during times of disaster this guy is going 24 7 and uh, helping coordinate volunteers uh, through the American Red Cross. And uh, uh, it, it really is, you know, you, you guys, when we think about it, you know, at the end of our lives, we, we can look back and, and you look at what did we do that was meaningful. 
you know what what if we made a lot of money you know so what really at the end of it but how did we impact lives and uh you know what did we do to really sacrifice uh on on our behalf to help others and i would imagine that each guy in this room has a little bit of that in him you know that uh, there's something that we just have to give of ourselves to help others as to to really look ourselves in the face in the morning and to be able to look back in the end of our lives and say, you know what, we, we made a difference. And uh, I would imagine, uh, Russ, for you, and, and you know, we worked many moons ago on some uh, pretty serious stuff together, but uh, talk a little bit just, just about from uh, your, your perspective, having been in the fire service for, for so, so many years, what is it that uh, that drives guys like us and gals, too? I mean, some wonderful women in the fire service as well. What is it that, that just, you know, that, that internal thing that just keeps us coming and causes us to sacrifice to make it happen? Well, first of all, do I have to call you chief like I used to? No. Okay. No. Oh, okay. we, we don't call him here chief here. You don't want to know what they call me here, actually. Oh, that's very <laughs> You know, on, on a day-to-day level, there's no denying uh, that if you talk to emergency responders, that if they tell you the real truth down deep, that it's the adrenaline that uh, brings mm. them back a lot and makes them do what mm. they do. But but that's just kind of a momentary thing. And uh, and uh, Chief Henshaw said it very well. It's the it's the opportunity to serve. It's the opportunity to make a difference in your community. And and everybody makes a difference one way or the other. Most of them good. And if uh, making the difference by making a profit and uh, you know being in businesses uh, is your thing, that's great. But I can't ever imagine that that would be anywhere near as fulfilling yeah. as making a difference to your community, and when your time was up, having made a, a positive impact on your community, your your neighbors, and your family. Amen. Uh, it's just a, it, it's impossible to describe the personal value that that brings you. Well, by a show of hands, and I know this is radio, you know, but we'll... Uh, <laughs> we're watching your hands well, at home, too, by the way. We're on radio because I have a face for radio, actually, but by, by, by a show of hands. How many of you uh, gentlemen in this room are, are in the emergency response business for the money? Uh, no hands. Look at that. Hands. Well, yeah. you know, there are a couple reasons for that. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it really it does come down to motivations. Uh, Buddy Gray uh, here, a, a pastor as well as uh, emergency responder. Yes. Buddy, you had the opportunity to go down to uh, uh, the Katrina uh, disaster area this uh, uh, past couple of months. Uh, you're, a, you're a shepherd as well, and also you give up your time to be a, a police chaplain. Uh, talk to us a little bit of, from your perspective from a, a shepherd's perspective, why do all this? Why make those sacrifices? What is it that keeps us going? I guess what really motivates me is is uh, that we have to uh, live in the shadow of the cross. Mm-hmm. And in, in the shadow of the cross, we see the greatest sacrifice that someone ever made. And if I uh, lose a little bit of sleep here in Modesto or if by chance um, I'm uncomfortable for six weeks living in Bogalusa, Louisiana, or in Slidell, Louisiana, uh, that's very pale in consideration of uh, what Jesus Christ has done for me and for others. Amen. You know, we often speak of the, the footprint of this broadcast going um, all over the place. We have listeners in Iraq, and we hear from those across this nation as well as here in California. But, Buddy, and, and the rest of you probably agree, we affect other communities, such as, as Louisiana and Texas and those areas that were hard hit by Katrina. And, and and we just never know those acts of kindness or those calls to service, who they really are going to impact and, and how they're going to do that. You were ready 
the truck was ready and, and waiting to go upon uh, notice, and, and you guys reacted and, and responded. That's, you know, that's what we do. We respond. Talk a little bit about, about that, Betty, if you would. Gosh, it was uh, actually uh, about a year ago, maybe maybe a year and two days ago, that uh, Jim Money, I was down at his office, and uh, he was scurrying around the office, as he often does, and I walked in, and he said, you're just the man that I was expecting, and I, and that's usually an oh, no, I don't know what I'm into now. <laughs> and Jim said, can you, uh, can you head for uh, Louisiana in, a, in an emergency response vehicle? And I said, I believe I can. When do I leave? Tomorrow, the next day? He goes, well, actually, you need to be on the road in an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> He made it. He made it. And, and Jim, of course, you, you were right there on, on the forefront of that. And, and you're still feeling the effects of Katrina. We're a nation and a world, you know, looking at the anniversary uh, at this time, time of this broadcast now. What, what lessons learned and, and what experiences can you bring? What wisdom can you share with all of that? Lessons learned. That's a good one. Um, we learned a lot in the American Red Cross um, about um, the need to stock more supplies and stuff like that, which goes back to what happened in Katrina. Um, the rioting that people saw at the very beginning of Katrina down there mm. wasn't um, because they felt like rioting. It was because they didn't have any food, water, or a place to sleep. And we preach that or try to preach that year-round to the communities that they need to be prepared for disasters, and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. They don't do it, and it's hard. It's like taking a toothbrush and trying to put a hole in that wall right there. Um, and it's hopefully we learned that we needed more stuff because it was such a devastating event that it caught us without enough materials and and people to uh, to work it. And we just hope the communities really learn from that themselves. Do you feel like they have, Jim? Have we learned as a society to be prepared? Um, Boy, I don't know, buddy. We're all thinking. <laughs> no, we I don't haven't. think so. I don't think we so. Society, I, I don't. I'm not sure, but I know from the faith-based community side of it, what uh, I've seen in the churches of Christ, uh, I, what I have noticed is, is that we have community response teams or disaster response teams that have sprung up all over the place. And so, and if if you were down in Slidell uh, when I was in October of last year. The only people on the streets that were helping the people, in addition to the Red Cross, were faith-based organizations. And uh, it was just amazing. The Southern Baptists in in the groups, their kitchens are are out there and their yellow shirts. You see them everywhere. But you also saw van loads and van loads of, of volunteers with yellow shirts on from the Southern Baptist Convention that were out there, what we called mucking houses. We had, I worked in a base camp for, for two and a half weeks, uh, in, it's called Hilltop Organization, uh, and, and that's what we did. Every day we went out and we cleaned up someone's house, uh, down to the studs. Mm. And that, that's what I think. I think the, the faith community has learned, and I believe that the faith community is, is building organizations all over the nation right now to handle situations like this. Well, you know, you look through history, and uh, let, let, let's just take the past couple of decades out of it just for a moment. But you look through history starting in, uh, you know, 1 AD, and the church has had significant impact upon the world. Uh, I mean, you know, when, when, when the plague uh, hit in Europe around 2, uh, 300 AD, you know, who was it that, that stayed? Most people ran. 
out of, out of the cities because they were afraid of dying, and, and probably rightly so. But it was the faith-based community that stayed in the face of death and started to take care of people. I mean, we have, we have a directive to hang in there. And and uh, and to respond, and I think uh, sometimes what what we've done, buddy, in, in in the Western Church is we've abdicated that role back to government, or we think, well, we'll we'll pay the hired gun to do that. You know, we have, you know, somebody in our de- denomination or our church or somewhere must be in charge of that kind of thing, and so we'll we'll pay money for them to do it. You know, whether the disaster is is uh, you know three thousand miles away, or whether it's uh, you know a fire or an incident three. Blocks away, there's a, there's a mandate I think from Christ to love your neighbor as yourself and to step out and do what you can because we all have something that we can give, right? And, and how, what a blessing that you saw all of the the, the faith based communities coming together, dropping the walls of the denominations and working together to achieve um, what these people needed. And that's probably one of the most needs. amazing parts of of Katrina is. A denomination side by side mm. with a common task and a common goal. Mm-hmm. How wonderful is that? Yeah. And you know, when we think about those who had the language barriers, and Dale Butler joins us tonight, who is the president of the Hispanic leadership here within our community. And I just wonder, Dale, what you could add. I know you bring a lot to the table, and as you reach out and, and, and touch the community uh, with different needs, the language barriers that, that do exist, can you just address that maybe? Well, I love the transition that you made uh, to get to me. Um, I've been involved in the Latino community now for probably uh, 40 years, uh, mostly in a leadership capacity. And uh, the idea uh, behind my involvement is to uh, provide a service to the community as best as I can. Uh, there's a, a big need out there in the community, uh, not only the Latino community, but the uh, general community. But my focus uh, has been uh, historically uh, with uh, Latino uh, groups in this county and beyond. Uh, right now, we're working with the county in a partnership type of uh, situation to develop a Latino emergency communications plan. Mm-hmm. Because uh, once the next crisis hits, and there will be a crisis, as we know. It's not if, uh, but when, right? Uh, right. Yes. And we need to be in a position to uh, effectively communicate with uh, individuals that are Spanish-speaking. Uh, so they get the uh, a full breadth of information that uh, they need to get from the uh, Office of Emergency Services. So that's a task that... Um, I focused in on working with uh, Mr. David Jones, the uh, Director of uh, Communications for the county, and uh, I think we've been working rather diligently to uh, make the plan happen, and we anticipate that in the very near future, we will have a Latino emergency communications plan in place, so indeed we can be more effective in dealing with uh, crisis situations when they occur. And Dale is greatly to be commended for his work on this because he's been involved since the beginning, the very first meetings that we started uh, with the Latino community, primarily through El Concilio and the Hispanic Leadership Council. And um, some of the, even though we don't have a formal plan at this point, we have a number of elements that are in place that we actually were able to use in the recent heat emergency in Stanislaus County, mm-hmm. where 21 
people uh, unfortunately lost their lives as a result of the high heat situation. Yes, yes. So we were very thankful for Dale and his team in helping to get the word out to community members, to check on neighbors, to be aware of where cooling centers were, yes. and just to be aware of your surroundings out there. So even though our formal plan isn't finished, Dale was instrumental in helping to get the word out to the local community already. You know, it's interesting, Dale and, and David, with our technology, and we were in the 21st century, and we have all these wonderful resources available, and yet when uh, something occurs, when it hits the fan, uh, it comes down to personal communication, doesn't it? And that's, even with all our technology, that's still a, a major issue for us, isn't it? Yeah, in, in any disaster situation, in communications, you look for multiple channels of communication to try and get the word out to the community. For example, for the heat event, we had telephone hotlines that were set up in English and Spanish. We have an emergency preparedness website that had up-to-date information on the heat emergency. That's stanemergency.com, which really is a great resource for personal preparedness information for people. Um, we worked very closely with mass media to get the word out. But also we had a big email push, which very quickly got information out to grassroots organizations such as your describing that could just get on the ground mm-hmm. and get the word out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used a telephone teleminder program to get phone calls out to the neighborhood level, but when you boil down to it, just even door-to-door contact between yeah. people that live in the local communities uh, was critical. And Dale, uh, we're looking at, uh, what, about 64%, and if you look at the demographics at our, of our area, uh, we're about, what, six, or going to be 64% uh, Hispanic, if, if I... Well, we're uh, approximating uh, 40% in this county, and there's a significant number of individuals that are Spanish-speaking only. So it's, it's critical for uh, us and the county to work in uh, a partnership uh, type of way to yes. uh, address effective communication, particularly in that communi- uh, community that uh, does not speak the English language or read the English language. So we're making great headway with respect to developing the plan, uh, already, uh, we have uh, three other organizations that have joined the Hispanic Leadership Council. We have the Latino Community Roundtable that's on board. We have the Council for the Spanish-Speaking, El Concilio, and we also have the uh, San Los County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, hopefully, we'll add a few more organizations uh, to uh, the team, and then we will expand throughout the county and identify individuals in uh, specific neighborhoods to be the primary contact person so when an emergency does occur, uh, we can tie in with uh, those particular individuals so they, in turn, can be effective facilitators and communicators uh, when a disaster occurs. Mm-hmm. So I think we're off to a great uh, great start. Amen. Dale, we have many um, um, bilingual uh, volunteers here within the ABC ministry. How would you encourage them to become involved in these situations and help help out with with the things that you just described? Can you give an encouraging word? Well, one of the things we can do, of course, is uh, let you know when we have our our next uh, Latino Emergency Communications Plan meeting, which uh, hopefully uh, will be in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I certainly would encourage uh, the individuals that uh, you're referring to to consider attending and participating uh, in our meetings. Uh, I can be reached, if I may. Yes, uh, I'll leave my do. phone number, please area do. code uh, 209-522-8537. Uh, that's 522-8537. 
and I'll be very happy to certainly uh, include individuals in this process. And it's, it's very important to us that we have uh, the fullest uh, participation of individuals, especially those that bring certain skills and talents, mm-hmm. uh, talents to the table, Indeed. participating in this effort. David, you wanted to say? One of the things that I wanted to add is Dale is such a humble guy, and uh, mm-hmm. it's just been such a, a privilege to work with him. And uh, no one really knows the amount of hours that he puts into this. He and several other of the leaders from the Latino community have made themselves available 24 hours a day on an ongoing basis for us to contact in the event of an emergency situation. So we're just very thankful for that. And also that uh, even in the midst of just a a personal uh, tragedy with the death of a family member, Mm. Dale was just Mm. incredibly uh, important in his role moving forward during this recent heat crisis. So we're just very thankful to Dale for his involvement. Just so appreciate what you've communicated here with us tonight. I I so love what Paul uh, communicated to the church in in Philippi. Uh, In chapter 4 he says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. And you know, Nicole Nordeman captures uh, the concept of giving thanks in all things in her song here. It's entitled Gratitude, and we'll be back with more on Lighthouse Live. Offers a better 
Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and a whole host of very special people with us tonight. We have Jim Money, Pastor Buddy Gray, Gary Henshaw, um, Dale Butler, and David Jones with us, Russ Richards. It's just so wonderful to have you all here. You know, I was just thinking as we were listening to the song about gratitude and giving thanks. I guess it's easy for us to give thanks when things are going well, but when you've been devastated by an emergency of any kind, you've lost your home, you've lost loved ones, and you don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, those of us who are uh, grounded in, in, in the Lord, we know who holds the key to tomorrow, but you know, how do you work through all this other stuff? And that's That's sort of why we're here tonight, the emergency response system in our community. And I'll tell you what, Stanislaw County is so blessed to have the system going that we have. And we were talking about networking. And and Gary, back up to the mic there. And and let's talk a little bit about being prepared because that's a big piece, isn't it? You know, we we talked earlier about... um, preparedness at the local level and and uh, nationwide some of the numbers that we've seen in the last couple months about families that have heeded that advice and looked at a 72-hour to a seven-day preparedness plan for an in-home plan uh, less than six percent nationwide are heeding that advice I, I think that most of us think it'll happen but it just won't happen here and that somebody will be there to take care of us if something does happen to us when in fact that we really encourage that preparedness starts in the home it starts with you preparing you and your family, and I mean the family that lives with you or your mother that lives across town or your mm-hmm. family members that don't live with you, but check on those. And we just went through the heat emergency, and, mm-hmm. and one of the greatest concerns was talking or was reaching out and touching those folks that maybe medically fragile, live alone, yes. and family to family was the first connection that needs to be there. And then we, we look at the faith-based community because we know that uh, those connections are strong. And, and, and we go back to Katrina when we worked here with Pastor mm-hmm. Douglas and Elaine and, and the groups and how we reached out. But in emergency management, the key is communications. Yes. It's, we call it the big C's, communications, communications, communications. That's so it, isn't it? Yes. We, we've got to be able to communicate better. And, and people at the local level have to start with their home, prepare themselves, their families, their neighborhoods, and their community. And a reality check here, mm-hmm. Gary. We're not doing so well, are we? Well, if we if we listen to the numbers nationwide, uh, we're probably not where we should be, obviously, at less than 10%. That would mean some regions probably are much more prepared than others. But uh, I think most of us think that this just can't happen here. Mm. And, and what you see is people sitting back doing basically nothing until something happens, and then... You're looking at the local government, whatever it may be, and we're pointing fingers, aren't we? 
Yeah, I mean, if we look at Stanislaus County, we, we have not had an emergency proclamation since the floods in 1997 under Chief Richards, and, and here we've had three emergency proclamations in this county mm-hmm. in the last six months, which I hope is not the trend, but <laughs> it's certainly an indicator right. we need to pay attention right. to. Well, you know, there's uh, a biblical basis for all this. You go back to Joseph, you know, <laughs> who's storing up uh, supplies, and, and as far as the mutual aid system goes, you know, uh, gee, uh, seems like uh, Moses and his father father-in-law Jethro had something to say about that as as, uh, Jethro said look Moses doing it all yourself isn't working you know you need to put um, people over 50s and 10s and you know to to establish a a better way of handling this we have in in the United States actually a a very well-developed mutual aid system that a lot of people just are not aware of and uh, let's just talk very briefly, because we also want to get some information about home preparedness. Let's just talk very briefly about how that works and the philosophy that it starts locally. It starts right here, and the mutual aid doesn't come right away from Washington, D.C., if it comes. It, it starts here, and then it, it starts to go to the next block and then the next and, and to the city and to the county. And uh, let, Let's talk about the wisdom of that, and, and I know... Chief Henshaw, you've uh, you're you you do this every day, so maybe you're you're the one to, to talk a little bit about how that. Maybe works. I'll start and I'll turn it over to the architect here. I mean, we have Chief Richards that was part of Fire Scope, so I uh, we refer to him as our event historian, but uh, he, he truly was one of the architects. And, and, and Pastor Douglas, you're right. It, we, we have a saying in emergency manager emergency management. Um, all emergencies or all disasters originate at the local level and end at the local level so that when the cavalry goes away you're in the recovery stage and you need to bring your community back to what we hope would be normal so you're correct if an emergency occurs at the local level with a city uh, or a jurisdiction when they exceed their resources they exercise mutual aid and they reach out to the other cities and when they exceed the resource level within the cities they come to the county and then at the county level Uh, We have what they call the operational area coordinator, and we coordinate the activities within the county. And then when we exceed those resources at a county level, we go to a regional level, which is 11 counties in in the state, and it's the inland region. And and, uh, once they exceed the resource request at the uh, inland region, then we go to the state, and from the state we go to the federal government. So there is quite a system in place. It's been perfected. It's worked well since the 1960s, and we have one of the chief architects here in the room of what we call incident command system, and it works very well. In fact, the nation has emulated the system that was built in the state of California. And uh, actually internationally... uh, the, the international community has uh, taken their cue from that uh, as well. And uh, Chief Richards, you know, you uh, and not we're saying, you know, you're old or anything. We're just saying that, <laughs> of course not. man, you, you know, God gifted you and, and put you in the right place at the right time when this this was all coming to the fore. And uh, great wisdom in yes. people knowing how this system works and the philosophy behind it. Well, Mike, you and I have worked a lot on this uh, together to this system. I know you were an architect in it uh, also at uh, just the right level. Um, there's a story that I think is is always very interesting. In in my church, we have given many uh, presentations about uh, family and home preparedness. Started back in uh, the area of era of Y2K, which was the oh, yeah. greatest <laughs> we drill we ever that. did, uh, and and we've given it since. And a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, I, I'm going to put myself and my family in the hands of the Lord." And um, it always brings a, a story to my mind. Uh, Father Michael Judge, who was the chief 
uh, chaplain for the New York Fire Department who was uh, down on a knee giving last rites to a firefighter that had mm. been killed on September 11th when he was hit by a falling body and killed himself. Yeah. Uh, he had a saying, they said, around the firehouse uh, when he talked to the firefighters, uh, and it kind of is based on the fact that firefighters are... Uh, Assertive, if not aggressive, and think they're in control. And, really? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Father Judge always said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are. <laughs> and I always thought there was a lot of value in that, that, that uh, you know, there is a plan. But the issue is, is that d- that does not uh, excuse us or give us an excuse not to prepare for ourselves. Uh, Chief Henshaw uh, certainly explained the the mutual aid system that we have that works and serves California so well from the local agency all the way up to the state and the federal agency. But we're seeing that that there's a tremendous amount of value in working downwards from the local agency also, Mm. and that is uh, starting with family preparedness in the home, and if your family's prepared, uh, talking about neighborhood preparedness, uh, maybe in the block that you live on. uh, Find out who lives there. Find out if there's a registered nurse or a carpenter or, uh, um, you know, somebody that uh, has some uh, storage. And then if you're, if you're, if you're, immediate area can be uh, prepared, then the next level is community preparedness. Because as uh, Chief Henshaw said very aptly, uh, we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves and our own for a particular period of time Mm. until we can uh, convince people that they have that responsibility. Uh, we're going to have the gap just like they did in Katrina and some of the other disasters. Right. And um, all the gentlemen sitting at this table know that in the last four or five years, we've we've developed tremendous uh, kits and informational items and uh, internet sources uh, to help you do that. It's not an expensive thing, but it's a, it's a very very important thing to do. Absolutely, David. Can we talk a little bit about some of those resources and how people can get connected? You bet. I think they make great points that, you know, we can't really excuse ourselves for not being ready. You know, I had to look at my own home and how was I prepared for my family when I would try and preach these things, yet what would I was doing, what was I doing in my own home? So there's some very simple tips that people can have in terms of putting a kit together. We also have a website that can make it really easy for you to do this for your family. Uh, here in Stanislaus County, but you can get it worldwide. It's www.stanemergency.com. It's stanemergency.com. You can download kits and plans for emergency preparedness. You'll find things like you need to keep a three-day supply of water or food that won't spoil. You need changes of clothing uh, and sleeping bags for your family members, first aid kits, emergency tools like battery-powered radios or flashlights with plenty of extra batteries. Things that you might not think about, a rendezvous point. If you're separated from your family, where should you hook up? Um, those types of things are great pieces of information that people really need to know. And if they go to that website, they can download that information. Excellent, Excellent information. Thank you so much. And we want to get the rest of you in on this, too. So hold those thoughts. We have much more with emergency response systems right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? 
Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and ABC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. ABC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. ABC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. ABC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. ABC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can do donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our wonderful guests. We have Gary Henshaw, Jim Money, Russ Richards, Buddy Gray, Dale Butler, and David Jones. You know, we think about first responders. Gary, you brought up a good point during the break there. It's not what it used to be. Has I might have you addressed that, and, and also Jim uh, Money from the Red Cross. You know, traditionally we have thought about first responders as, you know, the law enforcement branch, our hazmat, our fire, our dispatchers, our ambulance first responders. Today, for a community to be successful, it starts with a lot of those government agencies, but it spreads out so much. For us to be effective, we have to have animal services, our ag community, our public health folks, our hospitals, our clinicians, our pharmacists. 
Um, we can go around many arms of government, but then it spreads beyond that. We have to go into our our uh, faith-based groups, and you guys were instrumental in the Katrina event that as we were impacted as evacuees or folks that were being moved from one location of the nation to the other, American Red Cross, Salvation yes. Ar- Army, our nonprofit organizations, and now we have uh, what I think is going to be a tremendous partnership for the future, our ability to communicate in multiple languages through our Latino group and some of our outreach. If we want to talk about what makes a successful community be prepared, it really is a team effort, and it's not just led by one agency or two agencies. Oh, it is yes. truly a community-based event. So we have to be effective with all levels of government and non-government for us to be successful. It's so, so important. I'm glad you brought that out because it is teamwork. And as you said, Chief, it is communication, communication, communication. Jim Money with the American Red Cross, uh, the first responders, you are no stranger to that. <laughs> I think what Gary has said it so well. I mean, it's the it's the joint effort that everybody does. It's it's always been there, probably in the in the lower ranks when something happens, people responded, um, just as individuals or whatever to help what they could. And but nowadays it's gotten to where the whole community in the agencies that everybody works with all talk together now and, and get together, and we all respond as one big group. Um, it was like the heat emergency that we just went through. Mm. Gary was talking about, you know, the Katrina effort they did that everybody put on last year. But the heat emergency we went through was a was a good um, show of of agencies getting together, and uh, all the agencies, the fire department, the health department, and uh, just doing doing what we had to do. You know, I think it's so important that that willingness to be at the table. Uh, Dale, we were talking a little bit earlier about the need to get the word out to the Hispanic community. We also have a a Hmong community, a Vietnamese community, Cambodian community. I mean, we are a a very multicultural uh, county here, and uh, so the the, the challenges there uh, really dictate that we have a lot of people at the table willing to talk to each other. And, uh, Dale, from, from your perspective, as maybe people are listening, from a variety of different churches and, and, and such. What would you say to them to encourage uh, pastors and, and leaders in churches to, uh, to reach out and make sure that we have lines of communication going to the different, uh, uh, different cultural communities uh, around our neighborhoods? Well, obviously, uh, that is uh, something that is extremely important, and uh, there's uh, indeed a big need for outreach work, not only uh, in the Latino community. Uh, we started, I think, something very special with the county in terms of uh, the partnership that uh, we're involved in now. Uh, hopefully, uh, we will see uh, some of these uh, partnerships develop uh, with uh, other uh, communities, uh, as, as the ones you just mentioned, because we are indeed a, a very diverse uh, uh, community, and uh, I think if uh, that happens, indeed, we're going to be uh, way ahead of the game, and we will be able to more effectively uh, respond to the needs of all our uh, residents of Stanislaus County. Uh, we see a great uh, partnering uh, situation here, but it's just the beginning, as, as mm-hmm. I see it, and uh, there's a lot more work to be done, and yes. I'm certainly looking forward to uh, helping as much as I can and, and hopefully expanding the concept to other uh, areas of the community. We've just Amen. scratched the surface, haven't we? Thank you so much. And, and Pastor Buddy Gray and, and Chaplin, if if you would share, uh, you know, what we what we do on that level is wonderful, and, and yet there's another level, too, isn't there? There's the one where you personally reach out and touch the lives, 
and meet the needs. And you see these incredible stories. We know we've talked to people who have been to the Katrina hit areas and, and so forth. And, and maybe just a shory, story or something you could share with us that you've seen personally that really touched your heart. I guess uh, down in Slidell, uh, Louisiana last year, uh, we, we would spend our, t- our mornings, we would uh, get our tools together, then we would uh, drive out into the, the devastated areas with uh, a crew of a 20 or 30 people, and you'd show up at a house, and the homeowner would be there uh, a lot of times. And what was uh, amazing is they would chip in, and they would help, they would try to give back to you. Mm. And I think that's the, the, the most important not the most important thing, but the thing that, that touches you the most is is the is the people that have been uh, experienced the destruction are working hard alongside you. And many times, when you go out on a disaster scene uh, to to bless somebody as a, as a minister, you you're ministered to. Amen. Amen. And, and Russ Richards, you were speaking just a few moments ago. If you would just just uh, we're, we're growing short on time here. I wish we had two hours with with you all during the floods of '97. How that. You were commenting on that. You bet. There, there was a lot of a lot of activity and a lot of help that was occurring out in the community that we weren't even aware of. Uh, sometimes the best thing we do in emergency services is lead, and other times the best thing we can do is get out of the way. Mm. And in the uh, floods of 97, uh, we found out uh, a matter of five or six months later that the local faith-based organizations, with some help from uh, some folks even out of state, even out of country, had uh, put together a group called Church Modesto and had gone in and started recovery and rebuilding that we weren't even aware of. Mm. And uh, when we when we did become aware, we were just amazed at at their organization, which was every bit as good as what we had in place. And as I said, we kind of got out of their way, let them do their thing. And uh, uh, Chief Inshaw said, there's, there's a lot of people out there. The best thing we can do is maybe just focus them a little, bring them together, but uh, left uh, to their own. They just are tremendous assets. Well, and I think with that, just, just a reminder, friends, that before you launch out, uh, it is good if you can, uh, and, and we encourage you to, to communicate with the local emergency management folks because they have a wealth of information they can plug you into the system so that we're all working together to make this happen you know nobody uh, uh, the lone ranger thing is not what we're uh, what we're looking for and so we just encourage you to think about partnering and let your county emergency uh, management agency know the resources that you have and your ability to respond to the disaster we so thank you chief gary henshaw former chief russ richards jim money buddy gray Dale Butler and David Jones. And thank you at home, dear friends, for listening. And we'll just leave you very uh, quickly here with a a thought from Paul to the Romans. He said, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into what without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Amen. Thank you. Until next time, God bless.